Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marchessault fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marchessault. 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. It's round three Stanley Cup playoffs. Vegas and Montreal game one a little bit later on. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Okay, 100% honesty here. <laughs> that scared you, didn't it? No, I mean, it, 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 like, it, it scared you. Yeah. It, didn't, it didn't scare me. It caught me off guard because, like, I've, I felt like at various points in the last 15 minutes, the music was going to start at some time. And, of course, it started exactly as we opened the show. That's awesome. Today we were doing the uh, the live stream, the uh, morning skate report yeah. uh, on the VGK social media channels. And the minute we went to Pete DeBoer, they said, thank you for your time, Pete, <laughs> and, and ended, ended the feed. So I don't think it's you. I think it might be a little bit of uh, I'm bringing some uh, bad mojo to, to the uh, broadcast today. But I'm excited about this. And how about it? Game one, Stanley Cup semifinal. Getting set for the Golden Knights against the Montreal Canadiens. First time these two clubs have ever clashed in the postseason. And in a weird way, like this will make sense, uh, the, the Golden Knights are cutting a swath through French Canada because they beat the Colorado Avalanche, mm-hmm. formerly the Quebec Nordique, yep. and now face the Montreal Canadiens in the third round. You know, never before has a club ever beat Montreal and Quebec in the same postseason. This will be the first time. Well, everyone's going to hate you for bringing that up. Why? Unless it happens. Well, it's going to happen. It's okay. going to happen. Well, there it is. You've it's uh, we're making making a little history danger in this, in, in this set. And after being like sort of surrounded by the Minnesota mystique in the first round, and then facing the high flying Colorado Avalanche, the Golden Knights are an overwhelming favorite in this third round. It's it, we're kind of doing this in reverse. <laughs> don't don't you feel like the first round's supposed to be sort of easing into it? Yeah. And then it gets progressively tougher. Uh, according to the to the window and the odds, the Golden Knights ha- are about to face uh, the the opponent that they should handle the easiest. Yeah, and it's always so so interesting and so different, like in this situation, because there really aren't any guideposts, right? Like there there are your opinions of what you believe or what you felt about the North Division, what you feel about the West Division, but there's really no guidepost in in determining these two teams. You can look at regular season records, you can look at all the statistics, but the fact of the matter is Vegas and Montreal, they have not shared the ice yet together this year. So uh, in terms of, of kind of projecting out what you expect out of the series on paper, the Golden Knights are overwhelming favorites, but you have to play the game on the ice, and the Golden Knights cannot overlook or look past the Montreal Canadiens. Do you know how far back you have to go for the Montreal Canadiens and Golden Knights squaring off against each other? It's like game two of the Pete DeBoer era. Right. Yeah. Mid-January 2020. 
Uh, Pete DeBoer took over and uh, arrived just in time for the Ottawa game, and they won. And then they uh, lost an extra time against the uh, the Montreal Canadiens in game number two. Game two of the Pete DeBoer era was the last time that they met. Uh, interestingly enough, in that transition, we have some news on Gerard Glant uh, to pass your way in a little bit uh, and regarding his coaching future. But uh, that's it's been a long time. And, you know, historically, uh, strangely too, Montreal's kind of had Vegas' number in the head-to-head meetings. Now, I don't think that's the case now based on the way these two teams stack up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would agree with uh, all the odds makers that, uh, that this is more of a one-versus-four or a one-versus-eight if you went conference-wide uh, uh, between these two teams. Uh, Montreal uh, is a surprise to be in the Final Four, and the Golden Knights are exactly where they expected to be at the start of the season yeah i think that's kind of the the big key in in all of this is there the expectations between these two clubs are vastly vastly different in that the golden knights are expected to be here but not just here they're expected to be beyond this point right and for the montreal Canadiens, this is a a great ride it's been a fantastic postseason for montreal and they're they're playing with house money for sure but they're also recognizing of of the opportunity that's in front of them and it's going to be one of those series where if you're the golden knights you can't just rest on the fact that you're the favorites and that you should beat this team you've got to go out there and actually do it yeah i don't think anybody back uh, looking back to 1986 when the montreal Canadiens were navigating their run through the Stanley Cup playoffs said they, they achieved a win in the first round. They got through to the Stanley Cup semifinals by winning the Adams division. They're just going to be happy there with this guy that uh, that not many people have heard of. In, in Back then, we called him Pat Roy. <laughs> he, he now goes by Patrick Waugh. But nobody really anticipated anything. They, they're just happy that they won a couple of rounds. Well, they won that Stanley Cup, and uh, Patrick Waugh went on to uh, a Hall of Fame career. So, yeah, Carey Price is certainly more well-known than Pat Waugh or Pat Roy was back then. Uh, but you're, you're absolutely uh, right on the money that they're, if you've come this far, let's see what you can do with it. Now, the Golden Knights are thinking to themselves, we we took care of business against the Minnesota Wild and banished some demons. Mm-hmm. We uh, came out on top and proved to everybody that they were the best team in the West Division. Uh, there's one more. It may not be the the competition that was projected to challenge us in the first round at the start of the series, but there's something strange about a Montreal run where you, the ghosts and everybody come out. So I anticipate this to be uh, a pretty good series. Uh, so Montreal, more of a hybrid between Minnesota and Colorado. They've got some speed, mm-hmm. and they've got some big guys on the blue line uh, who can make it difficult to get to the front of the net uh, somewhere in between. And Minnesota was a seven-game series. Colorado was a six. Yeah, I, I think that this one, I, mean, I, like, I, I walk into every series kind of expecting that it's going to go on the longer side, just simply because, especially now in the Final Four, all the teams that are playing now are playing great hockey, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not so much about what you expect in terms of their talent, but you get to this point, you are doing some things right and some things incredibly well. And you look at the Montreal Canadiens; they've won seven straight games. So, so the you know the only team hotter in the NHL right now than the Vegas Golden Knights is the Montreal Canadiens. So you've got two two forces going into this game, and it, it's going to be interesting to see which team blinks first in this best of seven battle. Now, do you think the layoff will hurt Montreal? 
because nobody's had quite the layoff that the Canadians have endured during this run after dispatching the Winnipeg Jets so efficiently. You know, I'm not sure if the layoff is going to affect Montreal negatively. What I do think is that the couple of days break that the Golden Knights got is going to impact them greatly. Like, I I don't know if that's just kind of splitting hairs on the question, but I I just think the rest that the Golden Knights were able to get, the the break in hockey that they were able Mm -hmm. to get between the end of the Colorado series and the beginning of this one is going to do them a, a host of good, and I'm not sure if that comes out as, well, rust on the Montreal Canadiens part or just a locked in Vegas because of rest. You ever go to a petting zoo? Sometimes. Yeah. Imagine, imagine going to a petting zoo and not being able to pet any of the animals. The cute little bunnies and chicks. So like, and, so like a zoo? Yeah, but no, but you want to, I don't think you want to pet the tigers. I don't know, like some people. Those, those people are idiots. But imagine going to a petting zoo and, and like all the cute little baby bunnies, everybody are right there. That's, that's what I feel like the Montreal Canadiens are going through right now. They're in Vegas, and they're looking out, and Vegas is back, and it is thriving, and it is hopping. Mm -hmm. And as one player on the Canadians told me today, I'm in Vegas, it's going, and I'm sitting here counting streetlights from my hotel room because they can't partake. Mm -hmm. So that that part of it's going to be a little bit different too because they've just escaped Canada, which has been on a lockdown far longer and to to a lot of extent uh, still is uh, and they've just escaped that they're seeing life as we live it mm-hmm. and they can't do anything and then they're going to skate onto the ice tonight and there's going to be more than 18,000 people going bananas yep. in this building yeah i think that there might be a, a little culture shock uh, seeing what's going on in the outside world and and then there's uh, the also the just emotional shock of coming on and witnessing this crowd the golden knights eased into this mm-hmm. imagine going from zero like there's 2600 in the bell center yeah with all due respect it's the biggest building in the world mm-hmm. biggest hockey arena in the world 2600 is good mm-hmm. nothing like going straight to this thing yeah i think the first 10 or 15 minutes of this game are really going to be fascinating from the montreal perspective because you know, as you mentioned, the Golden Knights have had an opportunity to kind of ease into this, as we all have, right? Like, we've all been in the building through these growths in, in, in capacity, and each time it's it's taken it to another level, and it's been something to get used to. So for the Montreal Canadiens, like, they're going to have to get used to it real quick in this series. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to kind of watch it on TV. It's one thing to kind of see it from afar. But once you're in it, it's, it's a completely different yeah feeling and sensation can you imagine sitting on that bench tonight <laughs> or when you're skating around on the ice pre-game warm-up and then uh then into the uh the anthem we'll have a canadian anthem yeah we will uh lenny will be here tonight uh doing the canadian anthem for the first time this year but you'll just be sitting there looking around and and then the communication gary lawless brought this up on the uh the pre-game uh, nighttime at noon today uh just about communication and and sort of finalizing and locking that in t- tonight. I think there's there's a couple of little things that, that could give the Golden Knights uh, an advantage in the early going this evening. Yeah, I think the crowd's going to be huge. And and again, in terms of, of this series, I do think that 
you know, give it a, a period or two, maybe a game or two for Montreal to kind of settle back in. But, you know, on the flip side, for the Golden Knights, when when this series shifts up to Montreal in game three and four, like how is that building and, and kind of the, the lack of atmosphere that, that you're not going to get with 18,000 plus, how is that going to impact the Golden Knights in the series? There's a lot of different questions surrounding the crowd, surrounding the atmosphere that you're going to be playing the games. Uh, one thing that I do want to mention, Mike gave us a call the other night and wanted to know about the challenges of making the ice and it's going to be hotter than heck this week <laughs> and uh, what's uh, what's the quality of the surface going to be like well uh, we went through it the no humidity or very little humidity in uh, in Nevada so that uh, that's the biggest challenge to the ice makers but I did a bit of just digging in mm-hmm. uh, on this and I can tell you that in this series as voted by the players and by the uh, people around the National Hockey League, you have the team that was voted to have the best ice in Canada, mm-hmm. in Montreal, not Edmonton, but Montreal, and the team that was voted to have the best ice in the United States, the facility with the best ice in the U.S., in T-Mobile Arena and Las Vegas. So uh, the two best surfaces on either side of the border are involved in this set, which uh, should make for a great show. So in terms of of this series in terms of Vegas and Montreal in terms of you know just kind of going through the the all the keys that usually show up when you want to start a series off right in terms of these two teams how important is the first goal because for the Golden Knights you look at the Colorado series this is a team in Vegas that trailed every single win that they had in that series it's a team that's comfortable from coming from behind can the same be said for the Montreal Canadiens a team that hasn't trailed in almost seven games. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's that. They've heard so much about not being in a position to have to rally. Yeah. That I'm sure that uh, that they're enjoying that. And the other part is that you kind of get used to it. So if you were ever going to be down in a game or down early in a game, it's going to be an unusual situation. But I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. I think it's a really cool stat. But... I don't think it affects the uh, the athletes themselves. Uh, I will say, just uh, on the environment, that if Vegas could score early and be buzzing and combine the play on the ice with the atmosphere, that uh, that this is this is positioned perfectly to overwhelm an opponent. This this building does that anyway, and can give you a home ice advantage going from from 10 miles an hour to 100 miles an hour, which is what Montreal is going to do tonight, uh, would would situate it and position Vegas to uh, to certainly have an advantage tonight. But I don't I don't think if uh, if Montreal comes out and scores the first goal that it's any type of indicator. Or uh, if uh, I think it means more if Vegas scores the first goal. And then in terms of of this building, Corey Perry loves to quiet. Yeah critics quiet buildings he loves to go into series and just kind of be that guy big game out of him you expect that well there's a few players on montreal that are being hyped cole caulfield Mm -hmm. although he's come up clutch in a couple of places yeah i think that's being slightly overplayed but he he does give that line uh with nick suzuki uh, a a different element from the montreal canadians and that's speed and skill. 
So that that line is is certainly like what what Vegas faced against the Colorado Avalanche, and, and then you've got some uh, some veteran players and uh, Brennan Gallagher uh, coming up through the ranks. Philip Deneau is a, is a stopper. You've got the old guys in, in Stahl. and install, uh, and and then you get to Corey Perry. I, I think for a guy that plays on the fourth line, uh, Corey Perry is going to be as influential as anybody, just because of of what they're going to have to do in order to be effective against Marc-Andre Fleury. Montreal is a counter-strike team. Yeah. They're not going to have extensive zone time uh, in, in, a, in any game uh, going forward, and that's just a reality of, of how they're built. But they can counter-strike you or they can beat you on the power play. And if they get a power play, that's where Corey Perry is going to earn his money. Yeah, it'll be interesting kind of to see how the Montreal Canadiens are, are able to go about finding that offensive game because, as you mentioned, power plays. But for the Golden Knights, they've been pretty disciplined over the last four or five games, especially as you kind of close things out against Colorado. And then, you know, if the Golden Knights are, are taking care of the puck, if they're managing the puck the way that they did against the Colorado Avalanche, it's going to be a lot harder for Montreal to find their offensive touch. One thing that, that the Montreal Canadiens, a challenge that they'll give you is uh, all four lines give you very different looks and speed. And sometimes that can cause you to take penalties because you get out there, you've, you've been ma- matching up against uh, the third line the whole game, and then you get out against uh, Jesperi Kotkanemi or Nick Suzuki, mm-hmm. and boom so so they they have a they have a really interesting it's not just this line is like vegas has the riley smith william carlson uh jonathan marshall so line uh different players but play the game somewhat similarly sure but uh then to the max patcheretti mark stone and and chandler stevenson like one's a little faster one can work the wall like but but there's not a huge goal. You wouldn't go, ah, they're huge this way physically, or they can, they're, they're speechless. Montreal's lines are very different line to line. So that's that's something that you'll, you'll have to keep an eye on. So of all the storylines in this series, which one are you most intrigued by? Uh, going into it, yeah. uh, the, the, the goaltending matchup is fascinating to me. Uh, between two future Hall of Famers, uh, two guys that... Uh, that have been uh, well known to each other coming up uh, through, through junior hockey. Uh, Carey Price, arguably the best goaltender in the world for the last number of years or in that conversation. Uh, Olympic champion, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury now third all-time, resurrected his career. Uh, but while they're, they're similar, there's some differences there. Carey Price, I think this is the second time in his career where he's won eight games in the Stanley Cup playoffs in a playoff run. Mm-hmm. This is the the second time where he's taken a team to the conference final. He's been on another team uh, with Yaroslav Halak, that team that uh, that went on a, a wonderful uh, spring run. But this is this is really uh, challenging his greatest playoff success ever. Yeah, and you're just in the third round. Mark Andre Fleury's done it over and over and over again. So uh, Price has the multiple gold medals, but uh, this is uh, this is a situation where uh, Mark Andre Fleury 
uh, is is more at home in in this element of being this deep in a Stanley Cup playoff run. Yeah, the goaltending obviously is is one that that I'm intrigued by. Mark Andre Fleury and Carey Price and and just how how much I think those two guys are going to have their fingerprints all over this series. But uh, you know, obviously the the big one for me is is Max Pacioretty in the the Nick Suzuki trade and and really a trade that has benefited both clubs and and made sense for both clubs. And you look at what Max Pacioretty has been able to do as a Vegas Golden Knight and, and just how clutch he has been throughout the playoffs as a Vegas Golden Knight. Like, this is one of those series that I, I think a lot of, of eyes will be on Pacioretty in this one. And I think that when, when there's a little bit more in terms of, of that, you're going to get the best out of Max Pacioretty if you haven't already gotten it already. And I think that that bodes well for the Golden Knights. We said over and over, if there's a burr under the saddle of Max Pacioretty, he's a more effective player. Yeah. And some, I think that goes with most players. Some, they can get distracted and get uh, off their game. But with Max Pacioretty, certainly is more uh, effective, at least physically. Yeah. And and gets uh, the fight uh, brought to him, so that's uh, that's an intriguing factor. I love, the Suzuki Pacioretty angle is going to be fascinating, and they, they, I guarantee you, at some point during the series, uh, the television production, either on on Rogers in Canada uh, or TVR in, in in Montreal or in NBCSN, will put up the comparison of the the two players and what they've done, games, points, goals. Like it, it, it will happen, and it should happen. They were traded for each other. Yeah. Do they have any control over that? No, but but they're connected uh, to to a trade. The, the, the bigger story to me going in, uh, Ryan, as as a more uh, a lifelong hockey fan, is the connection between Patchetti as a former full-time Habs captain mm-hmm. and facing the Montreal Canadiens. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Where where a person that's worn the sea for a number of years comes back and faces the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The last time it occurred was 1968, mm-hmm. Doug Harvey. Yep. And that was the only other time where somebody, uh, there were a former full-time captain, faced the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that, like, that's historic here uh, in, w- in what we're going to watch. It doesn't have an ounce of influence on the game, but just knowing uh, what we're going to witness in that part of it. Uh, former HAB captains don't usually come back to haunt the Montreal Canadiens, but that's an opportunity that Max Pacioretty has before him. Well, I, you know, you talk about Montreal kind of coming into these series and the, the ghosts of playoff past kind of working in their favor. Maybe this is the opportunity Absolutely. for Max Pacioretty to flip the script on Montreal, give them a little bit of something uh, to worry about from the past. And, you know, I, again, I, I'm – I'm excited for this. If it, obviously Stanley Cup semifinals, that's exciting in and of itself. The Golden Knights Final Four once again, but it's a new team. Like I can't tell you how excited I am to just watch a new team play against the Golden Knights. Yeah, that's unique, isn't it? Yeah, it's strange. And I, I've uh, I've talked to you about how I'm conflicted between being excited that the Golden Knights are in the Stanley Cup semifinals. Or am I more excited that they're playing the Montreal Canadiens? And I'm not a Habs fan. Certainly wasn't growing up. Yeah. But there's, there is something about that franchise. And I think it's really neat that the Golden Knights get to play the Montreal Canadiens in the final four. 
But tagging on to that, I, I think you're right. Like just being able to see somebody else. And, and that's also part of the reason why going into this game, there's excitement for the third round, but there's a bit of um, mystery. Like we don't, Minnesota, can't, could, could they get past ever doing something in St. Paul? Yeah. There was that, there was that thing to strive for with Colorado shutting down the top line. You had that to strive for. What's that carrot? What's that target for Vegas against Montreal? There isn't one because one, they never faced each other in the Santa Cup playoffs. Yeah. Two, you were never expected to play them this year mm -hmm. in the Stanley Cup playoffs based on where the teams were coming into the season. And, and number three, there's no connection this year at all to them. So you're, you really, I think tonight is about establishing the series more so than anything else that we've witnessed. The Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning playing in the, uh, in the other side of the bracket, they faced each other last year in the conference final, yep. and it, went, it was a tight six-game series. You already had some storylines built up here. This one tonight, it's a little manufactured so far, and this tonight will give us a little bit of spin uh, to, to grab onto. It's almost like, like the, uh, the, the bulls in the shoot but we have to we have to wait to grab on. That's a terrible analogy. But uh, but we, we, we right now we, we we haven't climbed in there with the bull yet, and we we have to uh, tonight. Are you a PBR fan? Love it. Sure. I yeah. love. No, no, not really. I mean, I like I've been once or twice. It's, it's awesome, fine. isn't yeah, it? It's, it's it's good. It's They're nuts. So. Hmm? Me? No, oh, they are. Yeah, yeah, they are for sure. Like, absolutely crazy. Like I can they, see Jeff Rubino doing that. Like there's there's moments in time where where after they're after they're off, I'm just like, nope, nope, gotta run, get no. up and run, get, get up and run. Uh, Carey Price, big uh, rodeo guy too, uh, as he comes into this one. So uh, there, there's a few things. I, I have one connection that I'll tell you after the break. Uh, an advantage for the Vegas Golden Knights against these Montreal Canadiens and how it's going to and should really give the Golden Knights a step up in the early going compared to what uh, the Montreal Canadiens are going to face tonight. And it's, folks, really significant. I'm not BSing you here or trying to give you a, a hook just so you stay. There's something here tonight that I'm going to share with you after the break that has a, a real a possibility of turning the tide in favor of the Vegas Golden Knights. We are live. If, if we weren't live, we wouldn't have the drum guys going in the background. <laughs> we'd, we'd stop and wait for them to, to end. So you can tell we're live at T-Mobile Arena getting set for Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Semifinal on Fox Sports Las Vegas. I mean, everyone saw how big of an impact it had when we played Colorado last round, and uh, we're expecting it to be just as big of an impact against Montreal. So we're really excited and pumped up to play in front of a sold-out crowd. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. We've all seen those commercials uh, where somebody's standing in front of a big speaker and the person strums the guitar and it blows their hair back and their face like, ah! That's what uh, I think the Montreal Canadiens are going to go through tonight in the first five minutes. It's just going to be a sen uh, sensory overload. Uh, tonight at T-Mobile Arena. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace here in Section 117 getting you set for Game 1 
of the Stanley Cup semifinal. I can't believe Wallace just checked to make sure we were in Section 117. He thought I was just making that up. Well, uh, we're we not. are going to uh, get into uh, what's going to occur between the Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens. And I told you before the break that there's an advantage for the Vegas Golden Knights. Here it is. Pete DeBoer, his best friend, Paul Maurice. Mm-hmm. Paul Maurice is coach of the Winnipeg Jets. His club just lost to the Montreal Canadiens. One of the first things, now you got to be careful in this scenario, when a coach loses to another team in almost any sport, but uh, certainly in the National Hockey League, we like to give you a little breathing room before we reach out and go, hey, you gave it a good go, good job. There's a bit of breathing. Well, Pete DeBoer didn't have that luxury. Once he and his team punched the ticket to the Stanley Cup semifinals and were facing the Montreal Canadiens, mm-hmm. he had to act quickly. Sure. So he immediately got on the phone, called up Paul Maurice, went something like this. Hey, Paul. Hey, how's it going? Good. Sorry to hear about uh, that loss. You guys gave it a good good run. Um, care to give me a couple of minutes to uh, chat about the Montreal Canadiens? And the two buddies, the two buddies had a two-hour conversation. Wow. Uh, we know that because Paul Maurice was asked... Hey, how long does it take you before you revisit a series after you're done? He said, normally, a while. I step back. I don't even want to think about it. But I don't have that luxury this time because Pete DeBoer called me and we talked for two hours about the Montreal Canadiens. So Pete DeBoer, they've got their scouting staff that's uh, that's followed the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, uh, they've got their scouting staff that's covering the New York Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning all, all the way along. You've got the video work that you do. But I can tell you emphatically that there's nothing like being able to pick the brain of a coach who's just stood in the same position you're going to stand in tonight in facing that Montreal Canadian roster. And the fact that Pete and Paul have this relationship that goes back to playing major junior hockey together, there's no BS. Paul's not going to tell Pete just what he wants to hear or... uh, or be vindictive in, in the other way, or it, it's just pure honesty between mm-hmm. two National Hockey League head coaches, and it's very, very rare that you would be able to do something like that, and that's a, an advantage number one in the early going of this series to know what Dominic Ducharme's tendencies are in a certain situation, because Paul Maurice just went through that. Uh, uh, stick tap to Paul Maurice for doing it, mm-hmm. and Pete DeBoer for leaning on them. Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. Like it, it it's just it's a it's a fraternity, right? Like it, this is a very very small circle of of NHL coaches and for Pete DeBoer to to have that ability, right? To reach out and just mm. see like there's not a lot some guys you can't do that to. Yeah, and and I think obviously that that comes with the friendship, right? Like that comes with with understanding where you are with that friendship and understanding what you, you know, how much you can kind of lean on that in this moment but you know I, I think that that generally like you, you've just got two guys in Pete DeBoer and Paul Maurice that want to see mm-hmm. each other do well and, and you get the benefit of that conversation that's fantastic Sheldon Keefe uh, I, I don't know how well he knows Pete DeBoer Pete DeBoer knows Sheldon Keefe but the, the, that I don't think that conversation occurred but to be able to lean on somebody that's just gone through it and Dominic Ducharme this is the second this will be the third series he's ever coached in in the National Hockey League we 
they haven't played. Last time they played Montreal, it was Claude Julien mm -hmm. running the bench. And the whole team has changed since then. So there's not even anything you can really take. And, and Montreal, to be, to be perfectly blunt, is a much different team than they were on January 13th. This team has evolved massively as the season gone on. Started with Julian, went to Ducharme, uh, added some players at the trade deadline. They got used to all the players that they brought in at the start of the year. Uh, Carey Price went out. Carey Price is back. Uh, this this is a still evolving Montreal Canadiens team to have the set of eyes and the experience uh, of the man that uh, just recently coached against them uh, is I, I think is is a real. Uh, advantage to to the Vegas Golden Knights yeah I would tend to agree with that and I think it's it's just kind of giving you a glimpse of of the amount of work that goes on behind behind the scenes and some of the creativity from Pete DeBoer this yep. this offseason right like or this this playoff season because we we've talked about you know after after game two in Colorado in, in Pete's comments to the media and and just kind of finessing certain things i i think he's done a masterful job through the first two rounds of the playoffs did he got excited in game six yeah it was fantastic it, it's very rare that we see pete get excited arms were up uh when they put the game away uh, against the colorado avalanche it's uh it, that was that was cool to see we'll see business pete tonight <laughs> it'll be it'll be back to normal I, i'm curious to see what we we are offered up from a lineup perspective what does pete do with with this roster that in the weirdest of situations is is as healthy as they've been all year yeah in terms of of what my expectations are for tonight i don't know that you necessarily see any changes to the lineup for the golden knights i, I you know i, I we, you you and i had talked about patrick brown before game six against Colorado. I was and, blown away they took him out of yeah, the line. Yeah, and, and I'm not I'm not necessarily uh, kind of on the opposite side of that. I, I thought Patrick Brown was absolutely fantastic, but you know, you, you have a, a heavy line of, of Colasar, Reeves, and Carrier, and especially the way that Keegan Colasar is playing right now, like I just I don't think you take him out of the lineup. So I can see the Golden Knights running back the exact same lineup in tonight's game. And then if there's adjustments to be made, you, you tinker as the series wears on. But if that if that's the lineup that was that was capable of closing out Colorado in that game six, I think you give them another shot to open this one up and, and open on a strong uh, on a strong note. If you're the Golden Knights, uh, leading scorers for both teams, William Colasar, four goals, seven assists, and eleven points, and that's three up on the next best you know, with Jonathan Marsh, so Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, and Alex Petrangelo. Leading scorer for the Montreal Canadiens is Tyler Toffoli, who yeah. is very familiar to the Vegas Golden Knights uh, fans and the organization uh, from his days with the uh, one Los Angeles Kings and last year uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Toffoli yeah. has an identical four goals, six assists for ten points, and that's a couple ahead of uh, Nick Suzuki, and then it's Yoel Armina and Eric Stahl uh, getting it done for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Vegas can score more. I think people were surprised at, at how much offense the Montreal Canadiens were able to put up on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see whether that carries over. And momentum. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see because Montreal got on a heater and found some confidence against the Toronto Maple Leafs and rallied. Like they staved off elimination three straight games in the first round. Yeah. 
and then transitioned immediately. Like they went from game seven in Toronto, didn't go home, went straight on to Winnipeg and beat the Winnipeg Jets and, and then were bonded, galvanized by that hit on Jake Evans yep. by Mark Shifley. And whether you want to consider that a turning point or not, it impacted the series with Shifley being out and then bringing the Montreal Canadiens even closer together. Now with the break, uh, I think that, that Montreal is going to search early for something, some kind of magic there. Uh, the Golden Knights, it's been business, man. Like I, It's been impressive to see how even keel this team has been uh, outside of those clinching scenarios where they blew out the Minnesota Wild in Game 7 mm-hmm. and then put away the, the Colorado Avalanche in Game 6 here. Yeah, and I think, again, that kind of speaks to the expectations surrounding both Montreal and Vegas in this series. With the Golden Knights, I look at this as a team that they feel they're halfway home, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 there's nothing... Yes, it's an accomplishment to be in the third round. Yes, it's an accomplishment to continue to play in, in, the, in the playoffs, but... This is really only halfway home for the Golden Knights. Their journey is is not the third round. It's a Stanley Cup. And for the Montreal Canadiens, like, this is an opportunity to see how far this thing can go, right? It's very much open-ended for Montreal, whereas there's a defined finish line for the Golden Knights. And I think that's an interesting uh, little bit of, of interplay in this series because which team's going to be looser? For, for me, it should be the Montreal Canadiens, but the Golden Knights have been very, very good at wow. managing their expectations and emotions. And, and those three days off between games, yeah. one was a complete day off. And then they were able to practice a couple of times. Yeah. Now, Mark andre uh, took one of those, the two practices off, but uh, he should be fresh. We watched what he did with the four days between series, uh, Minnesota, and uh, with, where he had four days off. Yeah. Uh, the, the team didn't, but he had four days off before playing in the game two uh, against the Colorado Avalanche, and he came back so strong. And hey, don't don't kid yourself too. This is an emotional series for Mark Andre. The, the French Canadians as well, Will Carrier, Jonathan Marsh. So uh, some of the guys with uh, that are, that are in uh, from Quebec or around Quebec. Uh, but Mark Andre Fleury, this this will be an, an emotional series. For him, he, I think he's faced Carey Price once in the playoffs. Uh, Price won that series. Uh, but I, I'm sure that there's some, some thoughts about his father and and this encounter on this stage against the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, I, I wouldn't doubt that there's uh, some, some strings being pulled at the hearts there. Yeah, I would imagine so. I, I mean, I think it's it's only natural, right? Like when you, when you are kind of, when you've grown up on hockey and you, you've talked about you know the, the legends and you've talked about Patrick Waugh and you've talked about like just how important hockey in that in that part of the country in, in that part of Canada is and how entrenched Marc-Andre Fleury was in in the Montreal Canadiens growing up like this is going to mean something it's going to mean something to to a lot of players and you know as we mentioned before it's going to mean a lot to Max Pacioretty too. Pacioretty Stone had some battles against the Montreal Canadiens back yeah. in the day yep. uh, when he was with uh, with Ottawa. There's uh, there's some pretty cool storylines going into this series for two teams that have never squared up. And just the, the fact that one team's got the most Stanley Cups in, in history yep. and the other is four years in and they're going into their third final four. Both, both excellent. 
both have accomplished, uh, overcome, I think, odds to be here. And while you may not say say that because of the Golden Knights, they, they've done this now the third time. Uh, I, now's when the Golden Knights are supposed to be challenging and right. rounding into form, right? Not adding to the record book. I mean, it's. I, I think uh, there's there's a lot of uh, really cool things of, of perseverance inside this uh, this arena that's going to be taking place and hosting game number one. Before the Golden Knights ever played a game, if you would say four years in, they're going to be playing the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the expectations surrounding both clubs would be flipped from what they are now, right? Well, like you, you would expect that Montreal would be the favorites and the Golden Knights would be coming in as the underdogs. And, and now it's it, the Golden Knights have just built something so special out of the gate. Based on history, you would have thought that, uh, that the Montreal Canadiens would be the, the, the better team. Yeah. But when you go back four years, fair point. Like, and now I didn't expect any of this from the Vegas Golden Knights. It's a, a story that will never be duplicated. Montreal, you could you make a case we're further behind Vegas mm-hmm. at yeah. the time. Like getting to the, how many people thought Montreal was going to make the playoffs this year? It was on the edge. Like was Calgary going to beat them out? Was Vancouver going to beat them out? There was no lock and key. Put it in the uh, in the safety uh, box and go. We're we're okay. This this what we're watching right now. This is one of those. Cinderella runs. Now, Vegas, if you take away what they've done on the ice the last few years, this is also an incredible accomplishment. But they, uh, it, it's almost hard to say what's what's more impressive from the from the start of the year: living up to expectations mm-hmm. or surpassing the doubters. It depends on which lens you look through. Well, it all comes to a head in this series. Yep. I can't wait. Uh, We've got some news uh, from a former Golden Knights coach uh, when we continue. Looking ahead to Game 1, Stanley Cup semifinals. We broadcast live from Section 117 on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Only one hour of the VGK Insider Show today as we are preempted for the pregame show ahead of Game 1 of the Stanley Cup semifinal between the Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens. That's coming up in a matter of minutes. Ryan Wallace takes over, and then we'll hand it off to Dan Duva and Gary Lawless for the call of the game. Face-off just after 6 o'clock at Game number 1 of this uh, Stanley Cup semifinal, which uh, follows up on Game number 1 on the other side of the bracket, Tampa Bay Losing to the New York Islanders 2-1 yesterday. The Islanders take a home ice advantage away from the Tampa Bay Lightning with that victory. A year ago, they went six games, and it was overtime in game six. Uh, So I expect this series uh, to go uh, a long way down. That's going to be a really hard-fought series between two great coaches. And on the subject of uh, coaching, congratulations to Gerard Gallant. He has been named as the new head coach of the New York Rangers. Had a great interview before he went to the World Championship, won a gold medal with Team Canada, and comes back and uh, and becomes the 36th head coach uh, of the New York Rangers and the first hire by new general manager Chris Drury. Yeah, I, I think I you know I like it for Gerard Gallant. I, I think that he's you know, a great hockey coach, and I do think that with the Rangers, there's a lot of, of young pieces that are 
are kind of expected to take that next step. And if there's a, a coach that can get that out of their players, it's Gerard Gallant. Four-year contract for Gerard Gallant to run the New York Rangers. So Columbus has filled its vacancy. The New York Rangers have Gerard Gallant in the fold, uh, still waiting for the likes of Seattle. What direction are they going to go yep. to? Uh, the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, as well as the Arizona Coyotes and maybe a couple of other teams uh, might uh, create vacancies uh, along the way. Uh, looking forward to game number one tonight uh, here with Pete DeBoer and the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, what a charmed run he has uh, lived with the Vegas Golden Knights. This, Ryan, mm -hmm. is the third straight year that Pete DeBoer has been in the conference final. Yeah, not bad, right? Like, this is, this is a coach that gets it done. He knows how to as he said, push the right buttons this time of year. And, and I think that it's being proven through the Golden Knights' first two rounds in this playoffs. Uh, Pete DeBoer and company uh, against the Montreal Canadiens and Dominic Ducharme as we uh, bring in Chapman. Do you have anything to add as we wrap it up here? You've got about eight seconds. Yeah. Um, well, I'd like to wish Ryan a happy birthday. I, oh, know, I didn't know it was his birthday. Today is his birthday. And uh, wish him a happy one. Hope he has a great night. And uh great night calling the game or, or calling the post game pre and post game and intermission reports jeez i'm i'm all over the place but yeah happy birthday ryan thanks buddy did and, you actually buy him anything though no, no but i i gave him a nice picture of hall and oats on his twitter thanks yeah i mean that's that's worth more than a present for sure <laughs> yeah that's awesome uh a birthday wish from ryan wallace a vgk victory we'll see if it uh comes true the pregame show is coming up next at T-Mobile Arena. The people are filing in. Doors open uh, earlier uh, than normal as the Canadians fans and the Golden Knights fans uh, get together before squaring off in Game 1 of the Stanley Cup semifinals. Enjoy the game, everybody.